Welcome to TW Now, I'm Scott Winnale, and welcome back to our regular viewers. While most calling themselves Christian believe Christ was crucified on Good Friday and rose a day and a half later on the morning of Easter Sunday, others believe that he was crucified on a Thursday, and still others believe he was crucified on a Wednesday. Non-Christians often do not really care. But for those of us calling ourselves Christian, why does the day of Christ's crucifixion and death really matter? And how does this day of his death impact the day of his resurrection? Can we really prove from the Bible the day of Christ's death? And why are the knowledge of the biblical Passover and Feast of Unleavened Bread crucial to understanding the day of Christ's death? Today, returning guests that we have with us will cover the subject that they know very well. They're here to clearly answer the questions that I've just posed. So I'd like to welcome both of our guests back today. We have with us Mr. Gerald Weston. He's a Tomorrow's World writer and presenter who, among other writings and telecasts, has authored our booklet entitled Easter, The Untold Story. He's also authored the Tomorrow's World article, Why Observe Easter, The Untold Truth. Mr. Weston's a longtime minister and Bible teacher as well. Welcome, Mr. Weston. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. And Mr. Kenneth Frank. Mr. Frank is a university-level theology faculty member. One of the classes that he's taught for many years is the Life, Ministry, and Teachings of Jesus, in which he delves into the crucifixion events in great detail from the perspective of all four gospel writers. Mr. Frank is also a longtime minister and Bible teacher, and it's good to have you back as well, Mr. Thank Frank. Thank you. <clears throat> This program, by the way, is being pre-recorded because as it airs, we actually are preparing for the Passover. So if you do have questions, we, we still encourage you to pose those questions to us, but please know that it may be a week or so until we can get back with you. Also, please be sure to subscribe, like, or share today's program. Well, gentlemen, as we get started, Mr. Frank, let's start with you. Why does the day of Christ's death really matter to Christians today? Because it deals with the question, can the Bible be trusted? And Jesus said that he was to be uh, killed and then uh, be buried. And specifically in Matthew's account, he says it was for three days and three nights. And Matthew's writing to a predominantly Jewish audience. And they were waiting for the Messiah. And the Jews understood the timetable uh, that God had laid out going way back to Genesis involving a day and a night to make a day. So Jesus says three days and three nights. And that's only in Matthew's account. So it goes back to that specific reference. Okay. Mr. Weston, what do you have to add? Very few things uh, live and stand on their own. There are other issues that are involved here. And one of the reasons that uh, some theologians would like to just say this is unimportant is because they don't want to say the truth of the Bible that there was another holy day involved or another Sabbath day that week. Mm. And therefore, uh, when you do away with the holy days, which are clearly understood in the biblical account, if it's read properly, uh, you, you find that uh, there, there's more to the lesson. Uh, Christ died, that was the beginning. But what happens next? What is our response to that? And that's hidden because of the, the rejection of, uh, of the holy days that are involved there. Do mm. you have anything you want to add, Mr. Frank? Yeah, the Christian faith is built on the resurrection. So either he is alive today or not. And in the New Testament, at least twice, the Apostle Paul 
said that our coming resurrection as Christians is rooted in that fact. So was Jesus raised from the dead after those three days and three mm -hmm. nights, as he said? Can mm -hmm. the Bible be trusted? Mm -hmm. Mr. Weston, I'll come back to a comment you made just a second ago about theologians sort of denying the holy day, mm -hmm. um, the holy days that are sort of embedded in this mm -hmm. story. Um, do you think that it's possible that some of the theologians don't even know that there was a holy day in between these events? That's hard to say. Um, I, I think that many of the theologians are much more aware of these things because uh, the Church of God over the last nearly 100 years and also others have taught this truth, uh, shown when the, the, the true crucifixion was, when the true resurrection was. And so they are having questions come up from their members. Mm. Sometimes it's a little widow lady. Uh, sometimes it's somebody that might be more contentious. But it's hard for them to stay uh, in, in a bubble all by themselves. Especially in this day of the internet, where Absolutely. you've got so much information at your fingertips. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Let's push on. We'll get to another question here. What day of the week, Mr. Frank, did Jesus Christ die. As I mentioned in my opening comments, uh, most people think, most professing to be Christian, think it was a Friday, Good Friday. Uh, some people do think it's a Thursday. Others think it's a Wednesday. What does the Bible say? We're going to display for the audience very soon a chart which explains, as we understand it, and many others understand, that Jesus had a Passover service with his disciples on a Tuesday night, that he was arrested, he went through six different trials through the night, and that he was crucified on Wednesday morning, about 9 a.m. And from there, he was on the cross until about 3 p.m. Wednesday afternoon. So we believe indeed that it was, he died on a Wednesday. Okay. Mr. Weston, what can you add to that? And what we're going to do for our audience, we're, we're going to take you through some details of the crucifixion process. Uh, Mr. Frank just sort of summarized it in a nutshell, but we're going to try and show you from the scripture how this would have happened. Mm -hmm. So Mr. Weston, why don't you just go ahead and launch in here, okay. and then we can go back and forth and talk about it. Okay. okay. Um, one thing that we, we start with is the Passover. Uh, Jesus kept the Passover with his disciples. I remember up in uh, Asheville, North Carolina, just up the, the road here a little bit, attending a, a seminar, all-day seminar, by a Jewish scholar trying to tell us that in the count in Mark that the Passover was not the Passover. And yet, when you look at Matthew, Mark, and Luke, it is very clear that Jesus said he was keeping the Passover with his disciples. He was preparing it. So once you understand that he kept the Passover, then you also understand that the day after the Passover, Passover was in the evening, but he was, Christ was crucified on the day of the Passover because that's from sunset to sunset. That whole day, that's the day that he was crucified on. And once the, uh, the sun went down uh, after that, you began a high day, an annual high day. High day. And so that's the, the part that's missed. They want to put that on, on, the Saturday, on Saturday, but not understanding that there's that other high day, other Sabbath day during the week. Mm -hmm. That's where a lot of the confusion comes. Well, maybe we can ask our uh, crew in the studio to pull up the first graphic. Uh, this is the standard view of 
the resurrection or the crucifixion and the resurrection Good Friday to Sunday. Mr. Frank, do you, or, or Mr. Weston, uh, do either of you want to sort of explain that a little bit and maybe just talk about why it might not work? <laughs> the observance of Sunday rises or falls on when, what day Jesus rose from the dead. And those who are observing Sunday believe it had to be a Sunday morning. So that chart that we just showed displays the traditional Christian view that Christ died on Friday and was in the tomb only parts of three days and three nights until Sunday morning. But it does not fit with all four gospel accounts. And you have to harmonize them all. If, if you look at that chart and you understand how the Bible counts time from sunset to sunset, the belief then is that he died about three in the afternoon and was put in the grave. And the sign was that he'd be in the heart of the earth for three days and three nights. So you have a very short period of time on Friday. You'd have all, all day uh, Friday night, Saturday, and then he rose around sunrise on Sunday morning. So if you count time as, as uh, the Bible does, it, it isn't Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, three days. Uh, it, it would be basically the Sabbath and half of uh, the first day of the week and just little bits and pieces on, on either end of it. Very short period of time. You mentioned sign, uh, the, the sign of uh, Jesus Christ. Can you go into that just a little bit more? We sure. haven't really talked about that yet. Sure. Uh, Matthew, the 12th chapter and uh, verse 40. Uh, this is where Jesus mentioned that he'd be three days and three nights. I'll just read it here. Uh, he, he mentioned that uh, they were seeking after a sign there. 12 verse 40, sorry. Pages stick more on a TV studio than the set. Yeah. Okay, here, here we go. Um, in verse 39, he answered and said to them, An evil and adulterous generation seeks after a sign, and no sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. And then he tells us what that sign was. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. So Mr. Frank may want to elaborate on that, uh, the three days and the three nights, because there are those who say that, well, that's just parts of three days and three nights. So. Yes, when you deal with the Greek language, there are times in our New Testament when it can be understood that way. However, this is a link back to the story of Jonah, which of course was written in Hebrew. And in the Hebrew, it's very specific. It's understood as being exactly three days and three nights. Ethelbert Bollinger was a Bible scholar around the early 1900s, and he produced a wonderful appendix, which is available at the end of that Bible. And he goes into the background to support uh, the teaching as we're giving it to you today. And it goes right back to Genesis 1. There was an evening and a morning, day one. And then we have the story of Esther, which talks about three days and three nights. And there's a story in 1 Samuel 30 about an Egyptian who didn't eat three days and three nights. All that precedes the story of Jonah. So that when Jonah, we read in three days and three nights in the fish's belly, it means just that. It's not parts in the Hebrew language. Okay. So three days and three nights, 
does mean three days and three nights. Yeah. And I know Bullinger mentions it and other mm -hmm. authors, mm -hmm. other theologians actually point this out, that yeah. if we're going to be true to the text, mm -hmm. that's really how we have yes, to look many. at it. Uh, Bible teachers, not only those who observe the seventh-day Sabbath as a day of worship, but even Sunday keepers have taught this doctrine going back hundreds of years. Okay. So this is not anything unique to us. Right. Uh, it's, it's an understanding that anyone can have if they read the Scriptures and understand right. the way they That's right. Harmonize read. all four accounts okay. of the Gospels. So back to the, uh, the thought about um, the sign. If we don't recognize the three days and three nights. What kind of a problem does that cause for our belief system, potentially, Mr. Weston? Well, if we really believe that it was three full days and three full nights, which we certainly do for a number of reasons, then it means that uh, Christ was mistaken or he was not telling the truth. In fact, the Abington Bible uh, commentary actually makes the statement that Christ was wrong because he was only in the grave for half that period of time. So it's a very liberal commentary, but at least there are scholars out there who recognize that three days and three nights really did mean three days and three nights. Mm -hmm. And so that's why they say that he was wrong. That's a pretty bold assertion, isn't it? The Messiah was wrong. What, what does that right. say for the rest of what he said? <laughs> that's right. And once you disprove one thing, where, where do you stop yeah. with that? How can you trust the rest of the New Testament? which describes our coming resurrection that's rooted in his resurrection. Mm. That's how important it is. Mm -hmm. well, let's come back, Mr. Frank, to the description of the three days and three nights. Uh, what are some other things that people need to think about as we're trying to figure out what day Christ uh, was crucified on, which obviously impacts then when he was resurrected? Jesus, as uh, the sacrifice for human sin, on Passover day was the antitype of the Passover from the story of Exodus. And therefore, we understand that our Passover was sacrificed for us. So that Christian uh, atonement and redemption is rooted in Jesus' death. Mm. Not only a death, but his resurrection. Because we are told by the Apostle Paul we are saved by his life. So that ultimately the entire process of Jesus' death, the three days and three nights, his burial and then resurrection, is what provides the Christian atonement so that we can be believers in Christ and have a hope for a, a new world to come. Mm -hmm. Mr. Weston, when we think about those three days and three nights, uh, you, you mentioned <clears throat> the holy days mm -hmm. as associated with that. How, how does an understanding of Passover and and the Feast of Unleavened Bread mm -hmm. tie into understanding and actually being able to prove from the Scripture uh, when the day of the week that Christ was crucified on. I like to look at, at four basic Scriptures, one in Matthew, one in Mark, one in Luke, and one in John. The one in Matthew we just read where he said he'd be in the, in the heart of the earth for three days and three nights. When you look at the actual chronology, we know that he kept the Passover with his disciples the evening before he was taken into custody. God counts time from sunset to sunset. The Passover is the 14th day of the Hebrew calendar. And if, if I could, I'm going to ask, month. yeah, thank you. Yeah, the 14th day of the first month. Now, when he was put in the grave, it was right at the end of the 14th. And the 15th day of the first month of the Hebrew calendar is called the, the Feast of Unleavened Bread. It is another high day or a, a Sabbath day. And so that began the Sabbath. Now, 
if you look at Mark and Luke, so we have Matthew's account, then we look at Mark, and in Mark's account, he says that the women bought the spices after the Sabbath day. They bought the spices after the Sabbath day. That's in uh, Mark 16:1. Then in Luke, the 23rd chapter, verse 56, it says they prepared the spices and rested on the Sabbath. Mm. So how can you prepare the spices before you buy them? Now, there are all kinds of tricks people try to play about which tents and everything. But the fact is, it's very clear from the original that they bought, they rested the Sabbath, they bought the spices, they prepared the spices, and then they rested another Sabbath. So that brings us back, if we bring that chart up there, uh, he was put, uh, he kept the Passover with his disciples, as you can see. He was crucified, and he, around nine in the morning, his body was placed in the tomb very late, on the, at the end of the 14th. Which is uh, that Wednesday. Which right? would have been Wednesday. Then Wednesday night and Thursday are the high day, the first day of unleavened bread. So that was a Sabbath day. And then you have uh, Thursday uh, night and Friday is a whole day that was a preparation for another Sabbath. And so they could buy the spices, they could prepare them, but they didn't try to anoint the body until after the Sabbath. And so when Friday night came, uh, you, you have that night and then Saturday during the day. And that's the third night and the third day that are there. And so he was resurrected late Saturday afternoon. And when the women came to the tomb Sunday morning, he was already gone. Okay. Do you have anything to add, add some clarification? Yeah, just a little bit in regards to a, a technicality, which I think is relevant. In Luke's gospel, when he talks about the weekly Sabbath, which we would consider Saturday today, commonly. He calls it the Sabbath. But also in Luke, he refers to a Sabbath mm -hmm. it's with the indefinite article, mm -hmm. which indicates a holy day. Mm -hmm. And it's in that same week. Mm -hmm. So even by the grammar of the Greek, we have two Sabbaths, as was pointed out on our chart. Mm -hmm. The annual Sabbath on Thursday and then the weekly Sabbath on this Saturday. Mm -hmm. And I think it's important to note the, the fourth gospel, which is John, in John 19, 31, it says, for that Sabbath was an high day. So uh, that very clearly shows that there, were, there was that Sabbath, and then we have the weekly Sabbath. Right. Thursday was the high day. Okay. It was an annual holy day. It was the first day of unleavened bread. So if you can summarize for us, Mr. Weston, why is a knowledge of the holy days Mm -hmm. important in understanding when Christ died and when he was resurrected? Well, so many people look at the death and resurrection of Christ as the end of it all. In fact, they say it's been all done for us. Uh, it's finished. There's no more that we have to do. But when we understand the holy days, first of all, we recognize Christ as our Passover lamb, the one that uh, John said, behold, the lamb of God, uh, the one who gave his, his life for the, or would give his life for us. But what is our response to that? This is where people go off the rail and they just say, okay, they give their heart to the Lord and say they, they accept Christ as their Savior. But when you read Acts, the second chapter, when Peter preached a very powerful message on another holy day, which was the day of Pentecost, they said they realized they were guilty of his death, killing the Messiah. They said, men and brethren, what, brethren, what shall we do? And he said, uh, repent 
and be baptized, every one of you, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So recognition of Christ as our Passover, that's the first thing there. They, they came to that point. What is our response? Our response is to repent, to come out of sin, to come out of Egypt, is what, is what uh, ancient Israel did. And then on the last day of unleavened bread, they walked through the Red Sea, which in 1 Corinthians 10, the uh, first uh, four verses shows us that uh, that was a type of baptism. And then on the day of Pentecost, we have the giving of the Holy Spirit to write God's law in our hearts and our minds and Jesus Christ to come into our lives and, and uh, uh, live his life through us. So you can't stop with Passover, but because they have rejected Passover and substituted something else and rejected the days of unleavened bread, they missed the whole plan and purpose that uh, God is working out here below. Mm. We must remember that Jesus' apostles and all of his disciples were observant Jews mm -hmm. in the first century. They went to, to a temple. And they were in the temple, mm -hmm. you know, on Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came upon them. So they had no idea of observing any Easter or Sunday as the day of worship. They were observing the weekly Sabbath and the holy days. And from then on, throughout Paul's epistles, we find references to these holy days that uh, God's people were still observing them. And they did continue throughout the centuries to understand that those holy days were typical of the great plan of God. That begins with Passover, Jesus died as our Passover lamb. And then naturally leads to Pentecost, mm -hmm. to repent, to receive a Holy Spirit. And then you have a number of holy days beyond that, which carries God's plan right to the very end. Mm -hmm. Yes, I, I, I could add a little bit uh, to that. It, it's interesting to me how Satan has deceived the whole world, as it says in Revelation 12, 9. And this deception with the holy days is so deep. Why is it that traditional Christianity has thrown out these holy days, which have great significance and meaning and were kept by Jesus and his apostles, and that's historically true. Uh, and then they bring in days that have no... Uh, significance spiritually, but they're, uh, well, Easter as an example, uh, the name of Ishtar or a pagan goddess. What does a pagan goddess have to do with a Christian celebration? And then you go on to Christmas and the 25th of December and, and just go right down the line. They've thrown out the, the days that God has given us and they've substituted them with pagan and heathen days. Mm -hmm. It's interesting, you've both, as seasoned ministers, and you've visited with a lot of people, you've talked with a lot of people, it's interesting how many people will bring up the argument that, well, Christ was a Jew, and that's why he kept these holy days. Uh, but um, Paul changed things. But then you're left with sort of what you brought up a minute ago, Mr. Frank. If Paul changed things, then why did he continue to write about these, these holy days? Mm -hmm. it, looking like even the Gentiles were keeping them. Yes. For sure. I mean, we have reference to the Day of Atonement, to Pentecost. Paul says he wanted to be in Jerusalem for Pentecost. And he even took a vow at one point in his ministry. And there is no indication that he was ever doing away with that basic structure from the Hebrew Bible. We have to harmonize these two parts mm -hmm. of the one Bible that we have. We can't make them in contradiction to each other. Mm -hmm. Yes, in 1 Corinthians, which Paul is writing to the Gentile Corinthians, he says, for even Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. Therefore, let us keep the feast. 
not with the old leaven, neither with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. So he understood that the days of unleavened bread followed Passover and the Gentile Corinthians did as well. And he said, let us keep the feast. That's, that's a command from Paul to keep the feast of unleavened mm -hmm. bread. Well, let me come back to <clears throat> a more practical question that we, we kind of started with. Um, and Mr. Frank, maybe you can start with, with the answer. When we as Christians read the Bible, um, Christians want to obey God. Um, I think most Christians would, would say they want to obey Him, they want to worship Him, they want to recognize that Christ is the Messiah and give Him the honor and respect due to Him. Again, if, if, if our purpose is to honor and respect the Messiah, Jesus Christ, our Savior, what does the day of his, his death really matter? If really what we need to do is focus on the Messiah. What does the day of his death? Why, does why, it why do we need to know that day? Again, just sort of in reviewing, why, why, why do we need to focus on the day of his death? Why do we need to understand that if really our purpose is to honor Jesus Christ? Because of the coordination again between the two Testaments that Jesus was to be the antitype of the Passover originally from the book of Exodus. And that when you look into the Jewish calendar of that time and the year that we believe that Jesus died, uh, A.D. 31, that Passover service on the beginning of the 14th was a Tuesday night, which is when Jesus observed that service with his apostles. Mm -hmm. And therefore he died the, the next afternoon, which was still the 14th of Nisan or Abib, it was given two names, the first Hebrew month, and that he died in fulfillment of the prophecies about a coming Passover lamb, whose blood would be shed, and we are forgiven by his shed blood. As uh, we know from uh, Christ bore our sins on his own body, and uh, we were told by Peter that his blood provides us that redemption. It's clearly portrayed in our New Testament. Okay. I think when you start chipping away, which is what is, is happening, you chip away at this little truth and that little truth and you say this is unimportant, it begins to build a whole uh, uh, structure uh, of the wrong religion. You know, you make a very good point. I think the average person out here who attends church on Sunday or whatever day it may be, uh, I, I think that they are trying in a certain sense to obey God. Uh, they, they want to be good. They want to be, uh, to go to heaven as they would see it, uh, as they often believe. But there's a scripture, Romans 8, 7, that says the carnal mind, the physical fleshly mind, uh, is enmity against the law of God, for, uh, against God, for his, the law of God, for it's not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. When it comes down to the law of God, I've been amazed how quickly uh, people can turn against uh, the, the truth. Uh, they, they, they want it, but they want it their way. They want to follow tradition as opposed to what the Bible truly says. Mm -hmm. We have to be willing to accept what the Bible says, as uncomfortable as it might make us feel. And one of the most important principles of Bible study is to read the text carefully. And so we try to point out to our viewers and readers in our literature how important it is to actually read what the Bible says. Because Christians accept this as a holy book, as inspired of God. And therefore, every word 
We are to live by every word that God wrote. We're told that in both mm -hmm. Testaments. Mm -hmm. So therefore, let's make some sense of this and understand what did the early church do, and therefore, it will give us some clue on how mm -hmm. we should live our lives today. Okay. Let me just add something there. When you say, well, it doesn't matter which day it is, uh, the, the people that are saying that are the ones that are trying to justify a different day. Mm. Interesting, interesting concept to ponder over and sort of self-analyze with that. Mr. Frank, we need a quick, quick clarification here. We've been talking about the three days and three nights. We've, we've talked about how Jesus Christ actually kept the Passover and those, those things that he did that night, foot washing and eating, breaking of the bread and drinking of the wine, that he did that on a Tuesday night. Mm -hmm. Is a Tuesday night the night that we need to keep Passover today? It depends on the Hebrew calendar. In the Hebrew calendar, some years, it will coincide with that same Tuesday of the week. But there are other years when it does not. So we believe that the calendar which God gave to the Jews, that the oracles of God included the calendar, and that the Jewish calendar is currently understood and, and uh, directed by them, is the one that we are to follow today. And so we do use that. But that night of observance can vary from night to night, depending on the year. Uh, because you have to coordinate our modern calendar with the Hebrew calendar. And it gets somewhat complex, but again, we trust that God has preserved that sacred calendar through those people. Okay, excellent. Well, we are winding down here, and I really appreciate the time that you've put in. What we like to do at the end of these programs, as you know, and Mr. Weston, I'm going to come to you first with this, is give our audience an opportunity to have a takeaway. What, what is a, a takeaway thought, principle, idea that you think is important for the audience to take away from this conversation today? We often say on our, our programs, in our literature, don't believe us just because we say it. Uh, believe, us because, believe it because you can read it in your Bible. Uh, the Bible is the foundation of all of this. And when you start chipping away a little bit here and there, pretty soon you, you tear down the whole structure of the Bible. You, you get away from it. Uh, keeping uh, Easter as an example, I, uh, you may want to show that, but this, this booklet on Easter is a substitution for the Passover. And that was a great controversy uh, in earlier centuries called the Quartadeciman controversy, whether we keep the Passover or we keep Easter in reality. And uh, so it's, it's been a big issue for a long time, more than people realize. But once you start chipping away at the truth, you eventually lose all truth and then you substitute it with mm -hmm. untruths. Mr. Frank? I would say takeaway is this understanding this helps us identify the true Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. The Apostle Paul warns us about another Jesus that people in his church at Corinth were being troubled by and they were being misled that another gospel was being preached. And so those who are really devout, who really want to understand Jesus' plan and what he's done for us need to read the Bible for what it says. And uh, to read these scriptures we've pointed out in our literature, which we make available, like our Holy Day booklet, mm -hmm. will guide them even further to see things they may never have seen before. And yet, there it is. It's in the Bible. Well, I want to thank both of you for your comments today. Thank you for walking us through the scriptures. I think what was helpful is you took us through the different gospel accounts, mm -hmm. 
to help paint this picture? We've, we really do have to do that, don't we? Take the pieces of the puzzle and, and place them together to make sense of it all. And you've also walked us through the holy days and how important they are. So, so Mr. Frank, Mr. Weston, thank you for being on the program again today. Our pleasure. Thank you. Most of us realize Jesus Christ's death is central to mankind's salvation. Christ's death and resurrection are critical if we're to be saved from our sins, as we've talked about today. But for Christ to truly be the Messiah, our Savior, we must be able to prove that from the Bible without the Bible contradicting itself. And we've brought that up today. The only sign Christ gave for his Messiahship was that he would be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth, just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish. Christ Jesus Christ, in his infinite wisdom, would not use a turn of phrase or an expression that could be easily misinterpreted as the only proof that he was the Messiah. He would have used very clear and precise wording, would he not? The Bible does interpret itself. Three days and three nights means exactly that, as we've discussed today. Jesus was crucified on a Wednesday afternoon and put in the tomb shortly before sundown. He was raised three days and three nights later, late on a Saturday afternoon, just as the inspired translations of the Bible read. This is a fascinating topic and an important one as we've talked about today. It's a topic that your eternal life and salvation hinge on because it determines whether the Christ you believe in was really the Messiah or a forgery. For more detailed history and information on this topic, please read our free booklet, Easter, The Untold Story. We have this available for you at tomorrowsworld.org. It's free for the download or the asking. And for more exciting answers to questions about society today and your Bible, please join us each week on TW Now. Next week, we plan to discuss a long-forgotten biblical holy day that was mentioned today, a holy day that Christ and the Apostle Paul both kept, the Feast of Unleavened Bread. You won't want to miss that discussion either. We invite you again to subscribe, like, or share today's program, and we look forward to seeing you again next week here on TW Now.